Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop. Merry Christmas, Bishop. Merry Christmas, Kyle. How was Christmas with you and your family? It's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Always fun with the kids, you know, like they make it lively. Yeah. Excellent. When is the last time you celebrated Christmas with children? Just with children? You mean a children's mass, you mean? Or, no, I mean, oh, actually, uh, like oh, being at somebody's uh, family's oh, house where yeah. kids are opening presents and stuff. That, well, I, I go home the day after Christmas. So I'm with, used to do with my nieces and nephews, but now they're my grand nieces and grand nephews. So, but it's not while they're opening their presents because I can't get, obviously I'm here for Christmas. So, but I do, they get to open the presents that I bring them. Yeah. So I do still have that experience, like to play with them and yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you've in the past talked about John being your favorite book of the Bible, the gospel according to John, his, your confirmation saint, I believe. Correct. And just somebody who you've always had a, an affinity toward. The first chapter of John starts with this prologue, which you've mentioned in the past, and I, I think we might have even done an episode talking about it briefly, but I thought that might be a, a good one to break down as part of our a Christmas special. That'd be great. And you know, it's the gospel of Christmas day. So the last mass of Christmas, cause you have the vigil mass, then you have the mass midnight mass or the night of Christmas Eve. Then you have the early morning mass on Christmas. Then you have the mass during the day. So there's four different Christmas masses and they all have different readings. So this is the last mass, the fourth mass of Christmas. So if mass is celebrated Christmas day, not the early morning mass, but later in the morning or in the evening, afternoon or evening. This is the gospel that you'll hear, the prologue of St. John, which is basically the beginning, the first 18 verses of the first chapter of the gospel of John. And it's, it's so profound. It begins really with the eternity of God. So this is hmm. deep. This is profound. And of course, that's St. John. I mean, he is represented in art by an eagle. If you see a statue, it's often an eagle next to him. And it shows that because he soars, John soars into the, the great mysteries of the faith. And of course, the greatest mystery of the faith is God himself. And that's what we be, he begins the gospel with. And he begins it with the same words that the book of Genesis begins with in the beginning. So I'm thinking, Kyle, rather than read through all 18 verses, maybe I'll do a few verses I'll read at a time and then we can delve into them. How does that sound? Yeah. And I'm excited for you to break this down because I I feel like there's so much depth to it that goes over my head. Like I'm missing a lot of the meaning behind some of this, especially like some of it just seems symbolic. Like, they talk about the word a lot, and I know there's more to this than I'm actually catching. So yeah, I'm excited for you to break it down. Okay. Well, let's begin with the first five verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him, Nothing came to be. 
What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, in the beginning, that's how the book of Genesis begins. That's how John's gospel begins. So, there's an echo of the first account of the creation. But this is really before the world was created. When it says, in the beginning was the Word, this means that even before the creation of the universe, the Word was already existing. We're talking here about timeless existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word is capitalized, okay? Hmm. When we think about the universe, and remember the, less, the shows we had about evolution and everything, and calculation is that the universe originated about 13, 14 billion years ago. I mean, that's so hard for us to even grasp. <laughs> but the opening words of John's gospel, we're talking about a domain that's different from our world. Because we're talking about a domain that is not bounded by space or time. Because space and time themselves came into being at the moment of creation. So this is prior. Okay? Now, we can't imagine what was before time. I mean, we can't imagine what exists outside time or outside space for that matter. So this is kind of unimaginable, but this is what John is talking about. In the beginning was the word, the logos, the Greek word for word is logos. So logos, what does a word do? A word communicates, a word reveals. If you have a word, you have a speaker. Okay. You have an audience as well. So the word indicates that this is, that's, it is communicative. So whose word is it, you know, and to whom is it addressed? Mm -hmm. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Okay. Now the people who would have read this gospel or heard this gospel they would know that God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who created the universe, the God who chose the Israelites to be his people. This was God. And they thought of God's presence, that God dwelled in the heavens. But they also acknowledged that even the heavens cannot contain him. In the very beginning, God, before God created the world, and even created the heavens, the word was with God. So it, it, we're talking here about relationship. The word is distinct from God, but is in the presence of God, in a relationship with God, with God. 
So, and then he says, and the word was God. This was startling. I mean, can you imagine? Uh Okay. The word was with God and the word was God. So the scriptures and the people knew and believed there's only one God. You know, book of Deuteronomy, the Lord alone, you know, there's one God. So what does it mean that the word was not only with God, but the word was God? There can't be two gods, the Father and the word. Mm-hmm. How can both the word and God be called God? And I guess the question I would have is how can they both be with and be it's like i feel like it's one or the other like either i am with another person or i am the other person i couldn't be both with them and be them at the same time Uh, right well what but but god i guess can do things that aren't normal (laughs) yeah this is really the most profound of mysteries and the church pondered has pondered this And it's really what we are speaking about is the Trinity, the the first two persons. So they're distinct, but yet they're one. Right. There's one God. They are, that's why we say in the creed, they are, the son is consubstantial with the father. Okay. They are one in being, one in substance. They have the same nature. But there's a distinction in relationship because the father is not the son. The son is not the father. So when we're speaking here about God, it's referring to the father. And then the word is the son. So we're talking about divine persons. So God is a person and so is the word a person. Now we're not talking yet about the Holy Spirit, but now... St. John isn't talk using those, those categories that the early church uses, where it speaks of the same nature, the divine nature. John doesn't use those words. The church would go on and use these words like nature and person, using philosophical terms from, from the Greeks. So the theologians and the councils of the church, like the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Chalcedon, in order to express these mysteries, these philosophical categories are very, very helpful. But John doesn't use those categories because he's using simpler words to speak about this profound, most profound of all mysteries by basically saying simply, the word was with God and the word was God. Okay. He was, and then we keep reading. Uh, verse two, he was in the beginning with God. So from the very beginning. So God did not exist sooner than the word. There's no sooner or later because we're not in the realm of time. The relationship of the word with God is eternal. John goes on to say, All things came to be through him. 
and without him, nothing came to be. Now we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Yet all things came to be through the word. All things came to be through the word. We often will think of God the Father as the creator, and he is the creator, but it is through his word. So the Son is involved in the creation of the universe. And notice when we speak of God the Son as the word, think about the, the whole first chapter of Genesis. Each day it says, then God said, okay, the word. Then God mm -hmm. said, let there be light, and there was light. Right. You know, and all through each day of creation. We read in Psalm 33, by the Lord's word, the heavens were made. The Lord's word, this is the utterance that created the world. Mm. It's the word that was with God and the word that was God. And St. John writes, all things came to be through him, through the word. The entire universe began to unfold. Time and space began. So a word communicates. And the word's first communication, the word's first revelation, is creation itself. Mm -hmm. So the universe reveals its creator. It's a message. It's a revelation. There's a famous teaching of St. Paul in his first chapter of his letter to the Romans, he says, for what can be known about God is evident because ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. So we can know of God through the created universe. And think about how vast the universe is and you know 300 billion trillion stars i mean unbelievable and the harmony uh, with the, all the physical laws of nature and the complexity and the diversity of life the grandeur of of the universe so the creator is unimaginably great in his eternal power and divinity and also, unimaginably great is the word through whom all things came to be. All things came to be through him, and without him, nothing came to be. There was nothing that has come into existence apart from the agency of the word. In other words, nothing came into being independent of the word. In the scriptures, like in the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, the book of Sirach, kind of these, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament will speak about God's wisdom. And like, for example, the book of Proverbs calls wisdom God's artisan or craftsman in the work of creation. St. Paul, he spoke about Christ as the power of God and the wisdom of God. Even in his letter to the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul speaks of, of Christ as the one through whom all things are, 
and through whom we exist. Probably the most similar thing is Paul's letter to the Colossians, where he proclaims Christ to be the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth. So John brings all of this to their summit. You know, like these letters of Paul were written before John's gospel. So he, John kind of sums this up and says, all things came to be through the word who was with God and was God. Without him, nothing came to be. And then he says, what came to be through him was life. Remember in Genesis, on the account of, I forget which day of the creation it is, I want to say the fourth, let the earth, God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of living creature. So life came forth on earth at God's word. God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of living creature. So already there, okay, we have inanimate elements, you know, things like carbon and oxygen and hydrogen, etc. But they can combine to produce fish, insects, animals, and of course, the summit human beings, the crown of all Earth's creatures, mm-hmm. living creatures. So at the summit of creation, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God called into existence through his word, all living creatures, but the summit was those he called forth and created in his image and likeness, human beings. That's why it says what came to be through him was life. And this life was the light of the human race. By the way, when St. John speaks of life, now here he's talking about biological life, but also above all, when John uses the word zoe, life in Greek, he's talking about eternal life. Basically, what began in time is meant to be taken up into eternity so that human life on this earth will lead to eternal life with God. So God calls humans into being so that they can eternally be with God and share in his life. Then it says in verse four or five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. Remember at the beginning of the first account of creation in Genesis, it begins with darkness and chaos covering the earth. Well, darkness is an, in, an image for the world apart from God, the condition of the world apart from God. And in scripture, it also associates darkness with death and ignorance an error. So darkness is an image for all kinds of evil and estrangement from God. Okay, darkness. So the light shines in the darkness, the darkness of estrangement from God. 
the darkness of death. I mean, it still afflicts the world, but the light of the word shines in the darkness, enlightening, overcoming this alienation from God, bringing light. The light shines. It continues to shine. And this is a major theme of John's gospel, um, this theme of light and not remaining in darkness. So the light shines in the darkness, and John says, and the darkness has not overcome it. This darkness of alienation from God can't triumph over the light, life, and the enlightenment that's given by the Word. So when you look through, when you read through this, the whole gospel, you see this conflict between light and darkness. And so here in the beginning, we kind of see John wants to us to know that the victory belongs to the light. Okay, the darkness has not overcome it. Perhaps he has in his mind the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, even how he describes the crucifixion. You know, everything became dark. But then we have the light of the resurrection. And it's John who speaks of Jesus as the light of the world. Jesus identifies himself in John's gospel as the light of the world. And the light will triumph even through the darkest hour of his life on earth, his crucifixion. So you said the word is Jesus in here. And then the, the light. Sun. Yep. Yep. It, it, in this prologue, is he referring to the light as Jesus or the message of Jesus or our salvation or faith or Christianity or all of? I think all of the above, but primarily the word, the son uh-huh. who became man. As he continues, it becomes more clear because as he continues, he's going to say this word became man. He doesn't say that yet. Okay. Okay. He's just speaking more generally here. That life came through him. This life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness hasn't overcome it. This is all kind of like foreshadowing the rest of the gospel. But it's only when we get to verse 14 that you really know who he's talking about. Okay. That this word, this word that was at the beginning that was with God and who was God became flesh. Okay, so we're not there yet, Kyle. But I mean, we know that because we're familiar, yeah. with, obviously. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's come back to, I guess, the, the second part of this, which is a little bit longer part of it, but might go a little bit faster. We're talking about the prologue of John's gospel. That'll be coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. With Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our online banking and mobile app are like having a branch right at your fingertips with everything you need to use and manage your accounts 24-7. Check us out at NotreDameFCU.com, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with Bishop talking about the prologue of John's Gospel. This is John chapter one, starting with in the beginning was the word, which Bishop, you explained is, is Jesus. The word is with God, but the word is also God. The word was God. We talked about light overcoming darkness, that the light shines in the darkness. Darkness hasn't overcome it. And you kind of teased 
that eventually the word is made flesh. So maybe we can kind of pick up where we left off here with the prologue. Okay, I'll just go for the next, next four verses. I'll read. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true God, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. So fundamentally here, John was sent from God. Okay, God is the one who took the initiative. He commissioned him. He chose him. He chose John. He assigned them this role to do what? For testimony, to testify to the light. Now, see, that's what we've been talking about. Okay, the light shining in the darkness, this light. So John came to offer testimony, to testify. To, so that's what his mission is. So he is obviously, it's, it will become evident, it's not evident yet, that the light he testifies to is Jesus. But for the moment, what he's concentrating on is the purpose of his testimony rather than its content. John was sent by God to testify the, to the light so that, so that all might believe through him. So John's mission is to help people believe through his testimony. Now, what are they to believe? We'll see. But then he, it reiterates again, reiterates. We read, he was not the light. John was not the light, but came to testify to the light. So he has an important role, but it's not primary. He's not the light. The gospel then turns from John to the subject of his testimony. And it says, the true light was, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. A light which enlightens everyone. Okay, this is the word who brings light to the human race, as we heard. This is the true and genuine light. The word is God's revelation of himself. God's communication expressed in creation, expressed in the word of the Lord that was given to the prophets. The true light, God's word, it says, God's self-expressive word was coming into the world. Again, it doesn't tell us how yet. So people could be pondering, well, what, it, what does this mean? That the word through whom the universe was created was now coming into the world that he helped to create. Okay. So it's building up here. Okay. And that line, true light, is that where we get in the creed, light from light, true light from true light? Yep. True God from true God. Yep. Exactly. Well, the creed, well, that's so much of what we have in the creed, the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople is the church reflecting on the prologue as well as other teachings in the Gospels. It kind of summarizes this. It said, as we heard, the Word was God. And what do we profess? The Son is consubstantial with the Father. The Son is God. The second person of the Blessed Trinity, God from God, light from light. 
true God from true God. Okay, the next few verses. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. Okay, so this true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Now it announces, John announces that it has happened. He says, he was in the world. This is a, a fact that John is saying. He was in the world. We would ask, well, how? How was he in the world? Was this just some kind of spiritual enlightenment that he's giving? Hmm. And we're talking about the word, the, the word that, you know, we've already heard that the world came to be through the word. The word was in the world. And it says, but the world did not know him. The gospel, by the way, uses the, the word world with different shades of meaning. It can mean the creation. Like when we usually speak of the world, we talk about creation. Of course, the creation, the world came to be through the word. But the world can also be referring to the human race, those who inhabit the world. So it says here that even though the word was present in his creation, Men and women didn't recognize him. It says the world did not know him. The world did not know him. In other words, human beings did not know him. It's kind of like children believing that they exist on their own and not even kind of oblivious to the fact that they have parents. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, okay, the world right. didn't know him. And yet, you know, it was through him that they were created. So anyhow, it says... In coming into the world, the word came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. So there were some of his, so his own people, the word's own people, didn't accept him. Probably thinking here of the Israelite people, God's own people. You know, he's the one who said, I will take you as my own people. His own people did not accept him. Now, it doesn't spell out here what, they're talking about, but the readers would be familiar, you know, that a lot of people didn't accept him, but he's not even using the name Jesus yet. That only comes up. But I think that you kind of can sense here. We're talking about God's holy people, not accepting savior. His own people did not accept him. Then in verse 12, let's continue. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. Some did accept him. Now, he doesn't define here what it means to be children of God. But in John's gospel, Jesus refers to God as my father or father. Over a hundred times in the gospel. And so he is the son of God. After the resurrection, he will speak to Mary Magdalene of God as my father and your father. So his disciples are now able to participate in his sonship. 
so here in the prologue where St. John says he gave power to become children of God means to receive eternal life. Eternal life isn't something we can achieve on our own, but we can receive it. That's why he says to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. In other words, to share in his relationship with his father, to share in God's life. St. Paul speaks of this as in terms of our being adopted children of God. Right. So the word in the world gives the power to become children of God, to those who accept him, to those who believe in his name. To believe in one's name is to believe in the identity and reality of the person. So really we'll find out at the end of John's gospel, to believe in Jesus's name means we believe that he is the Messiah, the son of God. Now notice he then goes on to say, the women and men who become children of God are those who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. So natural begetting is by human choice, okay? A man and woman decide together to procreate, etc., produce children, but they don't produce children of God. Children of God must be born mm -hmm. of God through God's action. Later in chapter three, St. John will talk about being born again, being begotten from above. Remember in his conversation with Nicodemus, being born of the water and the spirit. But here he's talking about becoming children of God through faith. And now we get to the very climax of the whole prologue. Chapter one, verse 14, I think it's the most important verse in the whole Bible. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the father's only son, full of grace and truth. So we, he's been talking about how the world, word was in the world, but now he describes how did he become present in the world? He became flesh. Okay. The incarnation. He took on human flesh. That means, by the way, the word flesh in the Hebrew notion of flesh encompasses the whole person as a physical being. And mm -hmm. that means flesh talks about, okay, there's a weakness about it. There's a frailty, possibility of suffering. Death is inevitable. Well, the word who was God became flesh. He took on human weakness, frailty, and mortality. That doesn't mean he ceased to be the word. It wasn't like God became man, he was no longer God. No, he's still God. It wasn't like he just appeared to be a flesh. So there's two things here. He didn't cease to be God, nor did he just appearing to be a man. No, he is God and man. The word became flesh. See, there were very early heresies, even at the time when John was writing this gospel, that denied that Jesus was truly man. 
that's the heresy of docetism. Doceo, in, in Greek, it means appears. So he appeared to be a man, but he really wasn't a man. That's a heresy that St. John is writing against. But then the opposite heresy is Arianism, which became a huge heresy in the fourth century. That's why we had the Council of Nicaea, which says that he wasn't fully God, that he was created. So what is the faith of the church? That Jesus is fully divine and fully human. This is the mystery. We speak of it as the hypostatic union. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, the Greek word for made his dwelling is literally pitched his tent. Okay, so immediately we hear this. You can think about the Exodus and God being present in the tabernacle, the meeting tent. But remember, that's always temporary, a temporary stay. Well, the word became flesh to be among us temporarily for a while. I mean, 33 years. God was present in this way. The word became flesh. God is present to his people in Jesus, made his dwelling among us. And John says, and we saw his glory. We saw his glory. So John and the other apostles and disciples who, who were his eyewitnesses, they saw his glory. They witnessed what he did, what he said, while he made his dwelling among us. They believed in him. I mean, then there were those who would believe in him through their witness, through their testimony. And John writes, the glory they saw was the glory as of the Father's only Son. The glory of the Word become flesh is the glory of God himself. The glory, God's glory, God's presence. But his glory can only be perceived through the light of faith. Many will see him only as a man, not the Father's only Son, not as the Word. And he characterized the Word, John characterizes the Word become flesh as full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. The truth, the word become flesh, is, is, is the truth of God and the grace, the life of God, the love and fidelity of God. The word was God and became flesh to reveal what God is like, to reveal God. Now it goes on in the next verse, John testified to him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, the one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. So this is just a snippet of what John the Baptist said about Jesus. He spoke about one who was coming after him. And he's saying that he has precedence over him, basically, because he says he ranks ahead of me. Why? Because he existed before me. Remember, he existed in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. So John is testifying that Jesus pre-existed as the Word. Next two verses. From his fullness we have all received, grace in place of grace, because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, God, 
who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. So from his fullness, we have all received. From his fullness of grace and truth, the, those who believe in him receive grace in place of grace. In other words, grace after grace. One grace replacing another. This progression of grace. So while the law was given through Moses, and the law was given by God through Moses, establishing the covenant, it was a gift from God to his people, instructing people how to behave towards him, how to behave toward each other. The law is, you know, a great gift. But now this is something even beyond. God gives now grace and truth through Jesus Christ. He gives the full revelation of himself. Okay, God completes really what he began through Moses. Um, so God is building on what he has done in the past. He's not abolishing the law. He's bringing it to fullness through Jesus Christ, who is the definitive revelation of God. John says, no one has ever seen God. The dominant view is in the Old Testament is humans couldn't survive if they had a direct vision of God. Remember when Moses asked God to see his glory, God said, you cannot see my face for no one can see me and live. Human eyes cannot see God, but the only son, God, who is at the father's side, has revealed him. So the word who is God became flesh. He's at the father's side. Literally, it means in the bosom of the father. So he's in this place of intimacy. He is God. And the word, the son, intimacy with the father. So he's able to reveal God as no one else ever can. He has revealed him. He who's in the bosom of the father tells us what the God we cannot see is like. Well, the rest of John's gospel really fleshes all of this out. That's the prologue. So are there other prologues in the Bible? Yeah, I mean, there's some other, they'd be called introductions, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else actually called the prologue. Nothing comes to mind, but in the different letters, for example, you'll see kind of like an introduction, which kind of introduces the themes of the letter. In this case, you know, St. John, when you read his, you know, there's three letters that he wrote that are in the New Testament. Again, you see these themes in his letters very beautifully. So the theme of light, the theme of life. I mean, think about it's John who talks about the bread of life. Mm -hmm. It's John who talks about Jesus as the light of the world and curing the blind man. So th these themes take on, um, and, and even in being born again, being begotten from above, Jesus's dialogue with Nicodemus, the whole idea that God is love and he who abides in God abides in love. This, that's all in John's letters. So a lot of these themes get expounded in the rest of the gospel and in his letters. Yeah, even like only begotten son, which is part John three sixteen, and mm -hmm. 
Also, uh, him saying that the glory is the Father, the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. Is there any connection here with Luke saying the angel says that Mary is full of grace? Yeah, I mean, uh, these themes of John's gospel are not like they're not, it's not like they're absent from the other gospels, the synoptic gospels. Mm -hmm. I think, though, that theme of God's grace, which is very prominent in the letters of St. Paul, we also see in the synoptic gospels. So the grace and truth that came through Christ, we think about Mary, full of grace. She received that grace in the moment of her conception. That's why the yeah. angel referred to her as full of grace. And, and grace is really the opposite of sin. I mean, grace is the life of mm. God within us. Then that life came to us through Christ. It came to Mary through Christ ahead of time because God had right. chosen her to be the mother of his son. Well, again, this is another great thing for us to reflect on and to go back to to read this through, you know, just meditate with and pray with John chapter one, that prologue there. And now I know for me, it's going to have a lot more meaning when I do that, because I'll have a lot more to think about and appreciate you breaking it down for us, Bishop. You're welcome. Can we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Take care. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.